the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. It's that time again to rewind this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our hosts give a short comment on each of the days, starting off with Wednesday. Field announced for NBA three-point shootout. Bob? Uh, definitely a good list here. You, you can't go wrong when uh, Ray Allen is on there. Uh, not only that, you do have uh, Booby Gibson from the uh, Cavs, who uh, is up there, I think, top 10 percentage-wise in the uh, in entire league. And then I believe you also have some of uh, Darrell Wright, who did really well last year. Uh, Oklahoma's Kevin Durant. And then uh, James Jones, who's done phenomenal out there in uh, Miami. So uh, I think... Paul Pierce, yeah, he, he's, he's also in there. So, you know, you, you can't go wrong with any of those people in the three-point competition. Yeah, I think the one selection that really surprised a lot of people was the selection of Kevin Durant, of course, a player who's well-known for his ability to score the basketball, but not necessarily thought of as an outside shooter, per se. But um, I don't know that a lot of people would have picked Paul Pierce to win it all last year for pretty much the same reason. And I guess it just goes to show you, especially in this type of a competition, that the guys who we would consider pure shooters, uh, you know, sometimes they have slow, slow, uh, deliberate shots and, and uh, you know, not as good at the quick release that's required. Uh, a lot more goes involved, a lot more is involved than just having a good, you know, regular season three-point percentage to win in these competitions. Also on Wednesday, Cam Newton sees the great Brett Favre as his mentor. Matt. Somehow I don't really think that Brett Favre sees himself as Cam Newton's mentor. I mean, uh, if you look at the situation in Green Bay, Brett Favre had a really good opportunity to kind of step aside and be a mentor to a guy who is now considered to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, of course, that being Aaron Rodgers. Um, I just don't think that that's anything that Brett Favre really has any interest in. I mean, you hear stories about him going throwing footballs at the Haysburg High School, but uh, he doesn't do drills with the quarterbacks. He does drills with the wide receivers. So it, it's never really seemed to me like he's got much of an interest in helping other quarterbacks at all. Not to mention the fact that, you know, if Brett Favre is your mentor, there's always that chance you may open your phone up one day and see a, a picture you don't necessarily want to see. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting idea. Uh, give Brett Favre a few years, and, and this might be something that he can develop into as as a mentor or, or a coach if he wants to. If he, we do know that he has that love of the game, and that's why he's oops, oh, I retired three times, but came back from retirement three times. Uh, so this might be again something that happens a little bit later down in the road when he wants to get back into the game. But right now, I really just don't see it happening with Cam Newton. On Thursday, Sloan resigning after clash with Williams. This from Yahoo. Bob? Uh, I believe we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, you know, kind of a sad situation. But when you, when you look at it from a different perspective than just looking at, hey, Darren Williams, a star ousted a coach. Jerry Sloan's been in the league for, I think it was 23 years. And he's kind of see, saw the game pass him up a little bit, you know, completely different styles. And this was more of him saying, hey, I'm going to I'm going to step out. I'm going to let someone else come in here. And I, I can't do the things I want to do the way they used to be anymore. That's going to kind of disagree with you a little bit there. I mean, I'm not I'm not generally one who wants to crucify Deron Williams for or Darren Williams for, for a situation like this. But 
when I see a guy like Jerry Sloan, one of the all-time legendary coaches, um, stepping aside from the game of basketball, I always just, I always really feel like he should be able to do that on his own terms. And this is kind of a situation where a player, a player has forced his hand. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that, um, you know, if you had a good coach, especially one who had a career record like that of Jerry Sloan, that, uh, you know, the players of, of Williams's caliber might themselves find themselves on their way out of town because you just don't you don't mess with the guy who's got a tradition of winning and all the talk about Jerry Sloan not being that great of a coach because he hasn't won any championships there are only three active coaches in the NBA who have won championships so I think you need to kind of get over that stigma if you're not Greg Popovich you're not Phil Jackson and you're not Doc Rivers that doesn't mean you're not a good coach also on Thursday, Boston Celtics, Ray Allen hits three to break Reggie Miller's NBA record. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, obviously, this game against the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, the Celtics' bitter rivals, the Lakers, uh, was broadcast on TNT. And, of course, Reggie Miller, the man whose record was broken, is a commentator for TNT. So he was live at the event, and they had a nice little meet-up after the uh, first quarter after the record was broken. I think uh, kind of a cool situation to see two guys with a lot of respect for each other coming together after uh, a record goes down. Yeah, definitely two guys who, who do have that mutual respect. And, and why not? You know, they're two of the better players uh, that we've seen in our generation from the outside. And, and not even just that, they have good personalities to go along with the game. So I, I couldn't really see it done any other way. Really cool how they did it with TNT, with Reggie Miller being there. And, uh, you know, great guy in, to take over the record. On Friday, LeBron James and a heckling fan exchanged words during a game versus the Detroit Pistons. I, I guess this guy was uh, heckling him most of the night. Uh, he did say something about uh, Miss Gloria James, and uh, LeBron took offense to it. But the way he sort of went about it is he, you know, literally shouted out over the, the fan, threw some expletives out there. Might not have been the most professional way of handling it. You know, all you have to really do in that sense is just say, hey, leave the mom out of it and then just go about your business uh they do say that the guy the fan himself had the security come and say hey you need to stop this or we're gonna throw you out i just think it probably could have been held you know or handled in a little bit different of a situation one of the folks in attendance of the game who happened to be sitting near the uh incident when it happened uh, apparently claimed that uh the heckling fan had asked LeBron if his mother was going to be with him on his Valentine's Day trip to Boston so that uh, you know she could uh, hang out with her, her Valentine, of course, being Delonte West. Um, give, the, give the fans some credit for some creativity and, and bringing up a story that uh, you know LeBron had wished had disappeared a long time ago. But uh, ultimately, you know, it, it's just some about fans in Detroit that bring out the best in NBA players. I was kind of, I was kind of hoping that he, you know, climb up into the stands and start pounding on somebody and get suspended for 28 games. It's not unprecedented. Also on Friday, investigator says, "Wait to see if Philadelphia Eagles Michael Vick has changed." Yeah, this story is revolving around an interview with one of the investigators who was involved in the case back in 2007 uh, for animal cruelty against Michael Vick in the dog fighting ring that he was the ringleader of. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fair statement. You know, Michael Vick 
was in the public eye for years and was doing these despicable things to these dogs and, and, you know, all the other things that he's blamed for and, and managed to hide it from the media then. Sure. He seems like a much nicer, much more polished and much, uh, much more mature gentleman now, but really you never know what's going on behind the scenes. And if, if I had to guess, my guess is that the particular investigator that made these statements probably knows a little bit more about the in-depth details of what went on with those dogs than we do. So, hey, he's got every right to be skeptical. Yeah, and I I don't think anyone has put it out there and said that Michael Vick is a changed man. Uh, We have said that, hey, look, it seems like he's going down that road, and this is something that we will never really be sure of until Michael Vick, you know, is out of the NFL, has some sort of E true Hollywood story done about him. It it will take time to, to see if he has changed. So this 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 investigator, like you said, has all the right to be a skeptic. Well, I don't know if this is fair or not, but I always think about, you know, somebody who has let's just let's just say someone who's been sexually inappropriate with a minor you don't necessarily put that person back in contact with kids again do you put michael vick back in contact with animals again when he can treat them that way you know i personally i'm not saying that he can't change or that he didn't have a change of heart or that something didn't happen but he's got to do a little bit more than have a good football season to gain trust On Saturday, Brandon Banks of Washington Redskins in hospital after a stabbing. Bob? Uh, Yeah, this is actually a a sad story in the D.C. area. Banks was out with one of his friends at a nightclub. They were getting out. I guess this guy had some words with uh, Banks' friend and went to, you know, town with him. I think there were seven stab wounds with a knife. And Banks came in and stepped in and... uh, by product got a few I think maybe one or two stabbings himself uh, so he's in okay condition his uh, friend was in, I think in uh, maybe not critical but they were definitely watching him so this just seems to be a byproduct of you know these these athletes being at the wrong place at the wrong time you know out at that at a club at three o'clock in the morning people will be drunk there and, and words will uh, be exchanged so just a wrong place wrong time yeah I think this uh, I think this story tends to lend a little bit of credence to statements that were made in the not too distant past by uh, a gentleman by the name of Plaxico Burris and another gentleman by the name of Gilbert Arenas where they, they defended their mis, uh, misuse of guns um, in the media to the fact you know, blaming on the fact that people in their position really need to carry guns because uh, they, they, they're targets um, uh, for these types of, of activity and, um, I, I, I think we have to be careful to not read too much into this case because I don't think this is an incident where this player was targeted because of who he was I think you're right I think it's a wrong place at the wrong time and you know hey maybe he shouldn't be out at this club and and it's and maybe maybe he's in a situation where he's surrounded by people who are have nots and he's flaunting or something like that we don't know what happened at this particular event but uh, from everything I've read it, it kind of sounds like like you said wrong place wrong time also on Saturday Pittsburgh Penguins in bus accident on way to Central Park practice Matt yeah, this was not a good weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Friday night, they had a 9-3 to loss 
to the New York Islanders in a game that had, you know, plenty of penalty minutes and ejections and a couple of fightings and misconducts and uh, all kinds of stuff going on. And then, of course, to follow it off the next morning, they decided to take a little jaunt over to Central Park and check out the sites and bus accident ensues. All in all, uh, probably not the best weekend for the old for the guys from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think the funniest thing is, is that uh, the Penguins coach, uh, Dan Basilma, talks about, you know, that the, the guy was all right. He came up to the bus, was kind of confused. And then he realized that an entire hockey team came out with sticks and gloves in their hands. And he sort of backed down a little bit on uh, <laughs> what he was trying to say. So, <laughs> you know, just just a <laughs> unfortunate weekend for, for these guys. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, they can move past it and you know, continue on with their season. On Sunday, Brian Cashman calls out CC Sabathia. Uh, it's it, very interesting that uh, Brian Cashman comes out and uh, calls out his ace for saying that he's lying about losing 30 pounds. Uh, I, un- I understand that you kind of have this worry. You put in this an investment in the pitcher and then, you know, you, you want him to be healthy, but to come out and, and, and call him out on it might not be the, the best thing to do just because you are kind of uh, running the incident where you piss off CC Sabathia and he could opt out of his contract sooner and you could lose this, this pitcher. Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny that Brian Cashman sees him at a, at a dinner and, and probably wearing a suit and, and thinks, you know, there's no way that guy lost 30 pounds. Well, Brian Cashman at five foot nothing and a hundred and nothing pounds. Uh, looking at a guy who's who's you know six foot seven, six foot nine. I I, I always forget uh, uh, CC's height height, but a guy who's that big, fifteen pounds uh, wouldn't be noticeable. Thirty pounds would be a little bit noticeable. It, it, it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison when you look at yourself and think about what you would look like if you lost 30 pounds and you look at a guy the size of cc and see what he would look at at three pounds uh all in all i think uh, i think this is another story that kind of uh plays into the running rumor that maybe brian cashman doesn't really want to work for the yankees anymore and just is doing it and saying outrageous things to get himself canned also on sunday sacramento kings leave rookie demarcus cousins home after post-game incident matt I think uh, I think Demarcus Cousin has become the, the uh, another victim of the jinx of my preseason praise in the NBA this year. Yet another yet another guy. I thought the big things were coming from, and uh, you know, in the numbers category, he's done all right for himself. 14 points a game and around 14 points a game and about eight rebounds. But uh, you know, the big concern about Demarcus Cousins coming into the league was that he wasn't mature enough to play uh, in the NBA. And uh, that uh, is definitely not proven to be a false uh, accusation, uh, as there's been many incidents. This one, of course, stemming from Cousins being upset because he was passed up for a potential game-winning shot on Saturday night. Uh, If if this guy's career is ever going to take off, he's just got to grow up and put on his big boy pants. Yeah, definitely. uh, When you think about the development of NBA big men, you talk about a learning process of you know possibly three years in the NBA where they get a good grasp of how things go and and how they need to act and everything Uh, case in point even Roy Hibbert who's having a phenomenal year this year you know coming out of college was kind of talked about how hey he might be NBA ready but there's some things he needs to tinker around with but you never heard anything about this maturity issue so maybe we, we can 
put this into some of the big men in the league that not only does it take time to develop your game, it might take some time to develop some maturity. You know, whether it be a um, DeMarcus Cousins, a Javal McGee, Andre Blotch. You know, there's, there's these guys who can go out and produce, but need to realize that it's not all about them. It's, it's about this team concept, and, and sometimes they need to take it back a little bit. I think what Cousins really needs is a mature teammate like Gilbert Arenas to poop in his shoe every now and then to keep him in line. Poop shoes. On Monday, Kansas Jayhawks number one over Texas Longhorns by slimmest margin. Bob? Well, that slimmest margin doesn't really matter right now. Uh, Kansas State went out and uh, beat Kansas uh, last night, so uh, it, it'll be another revolving door to see who takes over number one next week, whether it be uh, Texas, who they, who they edged out, or Ohio State, who's uh, right now winning Mich- uh, against Michigan State. So uh, unfortunately for the Jayhawks, it, it didn't last too long. Yeah, it seems like every year this happens at least once that a team moves up into the number one spot and then loses the very next game. But uh, um, a a lot of folks I know that I've talked to, especially the State faithful, um, were actually a little bit upset about the fact that Texas was ranked ahead of their beloved Buckeyes. And um, it's easy to look at the numbers and see a three loss team and say, why in the world should that team be ranked ahead? of a uh, of a one-loss team like Ohio State. But you have to remember, this is the way that polls always work. It's always about what have you done for me lately. And all of Texas's losses came early in the season and uh, lost to a number four team in the country, Pitt, by two points and lost to the number nine team in the country by only one point. So you're not talking about some some stunning defeats. This is all uh, all good basketball. And if you've watched if you've watched Texas play, they are a very, very good Team and they're going to be a very difficult team to uh, knock out when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, Matt, I'll, I'll definitely go with you on that. Texas, I have no qualms with Texas being up there or, or over Ohio State because they've gone out there and produced a, a lot better against some of those top teams. I think it was uh, them beating two or three top five teams this year already. So uh, definitely someone come tournament time to keep an eye on. Also on Monday, New York Yankees, CC Sabathia doesn't close door on opting out after 2011. Matt? I, I, I suspect that this is probably just a case of CC kind of just leaving all of his options open. I don't know, maybe he was a little upset about the comments from Brian Cashman earlier in the week, but uh, CC, I don't know, he seems like he's really made a home for himself within the Yankees organization, but I think we all are well aware of how the New York media can turn, New York media can turn on someone in a blink of an eye, and maybe he's just, maybe he's just keeping his options open, but uh, overall, I, I can't really say that I'm surprised by any of this because, after all, at this particular point in time in, in the world of sports, it's very, very, very passe to make any type of commitment or recent a contract before the last possible moment. Yeah, I, I think you're right there with the fact that he just wants to keep his door, his options open and trying to make the, the most money possible, and, and why not? He's, he's in that position where he could definitely get more money, so uh, whether it be the, the Cashman comments or him just uh, you know keeping those options open, uh, not really a, a big deal right now, and, and next year is where it might be the big deal. 
And on Tuesday, David Stern says some owners not opposed to contracting New Orleans Hornets. Bob? Uh, the funny thing about this entire uh, article that they have on ESPN is not only that, hey, some of the owners talked about, okay, we won't be against it. We won't fight it. Uh, they also talk about how the NBA does want to keep the team in New Orleans and how they talk about also that there are definitely various suitors from different cities looking to possibly buy the team and move them somewhere else. Uh, so not <laughs> me and Matt were talking beforehand about this, about even Vancouver, who had a, a little rendezvous with the Grizzlies for about six minutes, as, as Matt so nicely put it are interested so i i think this is just more of a passing year right now uh we'll see come uh when they talk about more in the uh, negotiating for the labor deal whether this might become a reality but honestly i could see them just moving the team before they contract it yeah i would i would totally agree with that i think that the odds that this move the team gets moved out of new orleans are probably significantly higher than the odds they get contracted just because like we like we said before nobody wants to look like the bad guy the guy who eliminated the team and the jobs and and the, you know the fan base and everything that's gone along with it nobody wants to be that that grim reaper person but um i think as far as the comments made by owners where they say they could possibly you know they wouldn't be opposed to it um i think that's a that's from an owner standpoint that's a really easy comment to make because if if there are less teams in the NBA as an owner, you you stand to have a have a higher gain, uh, you know, less less revenue sharing, um, you know, less ways to split pie, so to speak, um, and and you're not uh, you're not necessarily ousting one of your own compadres, one of your fellow owners, considering this team is owned and operated by the league in the first place. In rounding the week off. Quarterback Peyton Manning receives franchise tag from Indianapolis Colts. Mr. Smith. This is a good move by the Colts. There's been a lot of talk um, into the past couple of weeks about the the demands that are placed on uh, a team like the Colts when they have a player of Peyton Manning's caliber. Um, even if he is possibly on the downside of his career, there's there's such a high level of pressure to make him the highest played player in the NFL. And when you're talking about going into a season where nothing is guaranteed, um, it it makes a lot of sense to do what you can to you know guarantee that he is your player for next season, but not committing a ridiculous sum of money um, over a long haul of a contract. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, I fully expect that the Colts will sign Manning to a longer term contract before he steps on the field again, assuming that we do have a locked out season this year. But uh, in this particular case, you know, don't spend more money than you have to. Give him a franchise tag, keep him up for next year. We're, we're gonna hear a, a lot of uh, this term franchise tag, more so this year than I think in previous years. Even Michael Vick, you know, possible franchise tag. I believe Monday or Sunday, it was Logan Mankins of the New England Patriots getting the franchise tag perfect opportunity to use this if they are going to have the lockout where you get this guy you know at least sort of uh, the rights to him if anything does happen to the to lock uh, the nfl and it does lock out you kind of have the, the I, I would assume first speaking rights once once next year comes uh, along after the lockout so we'll, we'll 
probably be seeing this, I would say almost ha- at least half the teams that have a, a high-priced player go go this route instead of signing them to an, a long contract. Well, this has been our Sports on Point Weekly Rewind. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. Matt, can you give us a preview of what's coming up on our weekly Sports on Point podcast? Yeah, guys, make sure you download and listen to episode 40 of the weekly Sports on Point podcast. We are going to be going in-depth and deep into the subject of the collective bargaining agreement and the possible pending NFL lockout. We've got owners versus players. Should be good stuff. Make sure you tune in.